Hello, everybody. Hi. Hello. Hi. Welcome to Praise Dionysus. Praise him. Praise oh. him. Oh. oh. Praise. That was really good. It was not great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so on today's episode of Praise Dionysus, Ooh. praise him, uh, we'll be talking about Trash Pop Butterflies Dance Dance Paradise at Theatre Works. Also, we'll be talking about flesh disease at La Mama. Um, and then we'll, uh, we're going to finish it off <laughs> by talking about puffs at Bo Morris Theatre. Oh my God, you what? sound so excited. I am, I'm super jazzed. That's great, I'm I am into too. It. Yeah, you are too. I'm jazzed as well. Okay. We can both be jazzed. Sure, I guess you'll make it into the Chicago Ensemble, but maybe not one of the leads. With I'd that be, level of jazz. I'd be the guy that wears the little white gloves. The, oh, you want to be one of like the, the hundreds of men in the background yes. of Roxy. Yeah, No, 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 <laughs> Mr. Cellophane. He does like the... Oh, you, you're yeah. promoting yourself to Amos. Sure. You're going to be Amos? Yeah, I'll be Amos. I guess if you had to choose the least jazzed member of the lead characters in Chicago, it'd be Amos. It'd be Amos. It definitely wouldn't be Mama. That's true. <laughs> Which was your second choice of yeah, casting? Yes, it Amos, then Mama. <laughs> Is your dream Chicago casting. Yeah, that's what I want to be. Let's start this episode. Okay, sure. <laughs> Hello, James. Hello, Jake. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> well handled. Yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah, how's your week been? How would you rate it out of five stars? How are you feeling? Straight in. Uh, <laughs> I'm feeling all right. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling alive, uh-huh. which is what we can do. Um, I feel like I'm th- uh, coming down with a cold. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're going down. I'm going down. I'm ye- yelling timber. <laughs> oh good I thought you were going to go in that direction of that song that I don't know what like show it's from that Olivia Lowry sang during a showcase once it's what was going that song? down the one where she was like I'm going town I'm a crazy uh, housewife yeah, yeah, yeah. no it wasn't that um uh, Nina pick up the phone wasn't that she from, sang um, a spicy Latin number she did I think from oh no breaking down from I'm breaking Sodas. down someone else did that song from uh, Patty Lapone was in it. Someone write in and tell me. You know the show. You know the show. I'm the Latin about. one you were thinking of was that whatever Lola wants, Lola gets. No, no. But I think no, no, not that one. But I can't stand that song, and I've seen it performed live too many times Lola by like. Lola wants. And I've only seen it performed by people in like drama schools. Yes, in showcases. Being like, oh, I'm the like the sexy one. No one's ever doing that musical because it's. What it musical like a, is it from? Isn't it like a baseball musical. I seem to remember it's like a baseball oh, musical. Okay. Sure. You like that? I, I like that as a question. No, no. All I'm doing is stopping myself from talking about the baseball number from Smash because no one wants to hear Jake talk about Smash anymore. I saw a <laughs> clip from Smash recently that made me think I need to watch Smash. What was the clip you saw? It was it was uh, Christian Ball doing... Uh, I like Christian Ball. I can't stand Christian Ball. Doing Ball. like uh, that, she's a tomato. <laughs> she's a tomato. Yes. Yeah, with all the guys in the towels. Yeah, and they're in yeah, the, like, the steam room. Yeah, but I think it was the rehearsal scene. Like when they're in like the rehearsal Bit. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That bit. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, this seems really good. Yeah. Um, I am really quickly looking up that show because it's gonna kill me. Which otherwise. one? The one with whatever Lola wants in it? No, 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 no. Patty. Are there any songs that people like from that Andrew Lloyd Webber musical about soccer? Ah, oh, what's that one called? A great game, a noble game. I think it's yeah, something that something game. Um, yeah. I don't musical know. Musical number. So which one are you trying to find? The one that Pat- the musical that Patty Lapone is in. That and in which she does what? Oh shit! That's gonna really annoy me. It's like the. Um, <laughs> Is this good for our listeners? Yeah. Um, uh, 
Nina, when she's on the, it's not Penelope Pone, it's some other woman on a phone, mm-hmm. and she's leaving a bunch of answering machine, answering like voice messages for rent? someone. Is it from rent? No, it's not rent. Okay. It's like, it's Is a, it a war paint. No one talks about war paint. I want war paint to be a good musical, but I don't think it is. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> found it. Woman oh, yeah. on the verge of a nervous breakdown, uh-huh. model behavior. The soundtrack is Laura Benanti. Oh, great. Beautiful. It's a great song. I can't remember why we started talking about it. Well, isn't it the same show that that I'm Breaking Down song No, is that's in? from Falsettos. That's from Falsettos. Or Falsetto Land or March of the Falsettos. You know, one of the, one of the Falsettos. Sure. Uh, and that was great. Stephanie J. Block is the one that is in the Broadway revival of that show and she does an incredible version of it and that's a great song. Fantastic. And I remember Olivia Lowry singing that and it was amazing. Yes. Yeah. Great. Okay. Was there what else? else that, no. What the rest of your week? Oh, my week. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Fine. Yes. I've just, it's been a boring week. It's just been like one of those weeks where you're like, shit, is this really what my life is? I want to those weeks. You know, like it's just, <laughs> oh, I'm working and then I go home and then I don't sleep mm. and then I wake up and I go back to work. Yeah. And it's not a job that I particularly care about, but it's not a bad job. Mm. And I'm not doing anything creative and I'm not doing anything fun and I don't have time to see my friends because I'm working and then I get sick. One of those weeks. So I'd give it a solid, like, nothing. No stars. Zero. Starless. Starless. Oh, no. A star is dead. God, after last week when you realised how many stars you could see from your new house. Yeah, don't get me wrong. The house is great. That part of it's terrific. Uh But it's just one... It's just... It's fine. It's ebbs and flows, and we're in an ebb. And that's okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Candor and ebb. Oh, I was gonna... (laughs) I was gonna do a candor and ebb joke. Oh, but then you thought, (laughs) too highbrow. You read my mind. No, I thought too... To lowbrow. Lowbrow! Yeah, you <laughs> common swine. What about you, you stupid bitch? No. How was your... <laughs> Thank you for using my legal name. <laughs> um, my week, my week. Oh, yeah, no, no, nothing super insane. Still getting bullied at work, but Terrific. that's fine. Oh, yeah, any updates um, that you can share here? None that I'm allowed to share. We're currently oh. embroiled in things that... Oh, oh can't <laughs> share anything Sorry. right now, baby. Um, yeah, no, because, the, you know, cogs are turning. And, you know, <laughs> one cannot discuss the cogs because, <laughs> you know, confidentiality and whatnot. Jake bought a gun recently is I, what he's saying. Don't say that. It's confidential. <laughs> um, yes, but no, no, that's happening. Otherwise, no, in like the in like the B plot of my week, I decided to give up on watching Minx. Which was... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, it's one of the shows I started watching and I, even like in the first episode, I was like, I'm sure this has been cancelled. I'm certain of it. <laughs> so, so, so give us like a very brief three sentence rundown of what Minx is all about. Absolutely. I found this during that phase where, that I was going through and I realised that all the media I was watching was about men in their underpants. Remember when, yep. I, when I watched like Welcome to Chippendales and yes. that whole phase I went into? This, I found this show around the same time. Um, and yeah, it features a woman that looks like a young Melissa George, or Melissa George got a lot of work done, and she's suddenly a lot younger. And Melissa George is? Melissa George, she was in that movie that was called, I think it was called Triangle, not the Triangle of Sadness, Ah. like a movie, I think it was called Triangle. Have you seen Triangle of Sadness? No, but I'm excited. Same, so am I. Um, I think it was called Triangle, and she was like on a, like a fancy yacht, and it sounds like Triangle of I Sadness. I know, but now maybe Triangle of Sadness is a sequel to Triangle starring Melissa George. Maybe it was Triangle of Joy. Maybe. Uh, yes. Do you like yes, that? Yeah, I, not really, no, no because right. now I'm forced to think about that Joy movie where Jennifer Lawrence invents mopping. 
No, don't do it. I didn't watch it. Because <laughs> I can't stand her face. And I don't know why. I'm I just assume it's and she falls down. No, I think it's to do with our past lives or something. I feel like one of us murdered the other or something. You and Jennifer Lawrence. Yes, I feel like when I... When I the, the way that I responded to all the close-ups on her face while I was watching Mother! Exclamation mark, I was like, why does her face make me so mad? You see, Mother! is one of those movies I do know because I watch YouTubes of that baby's neck breaking. Trigger warning. <laughs> Baby, Baby death. death. Real <laughs> trigger warning for that one. Yeah. What's a real trigger warning? None of our trigger warnings are real they're all for jokes don't undermine our trigger warnings it's well if real. they're real you've got to do a hong kong yeah. <laughs> no 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 i'm already anti-goose you are not giving him the power to deem That's trigger warnings clapping authentic or not yeah you're, mm. all right so rewinding back to mix <laughs> melissa oh yes let's <laughs> forget about the rest someone of it. that i'm pretty sure wasn't melissa george i haven't checked but i don't think it's a young melissa george because okay. it was filmed recently <laughs> even though it was set in the past are you keeping up <laughs> barely <laughs> Really? is set in like the 60s and 70s based on the pants and the things they talk about. Okay. <laughs> you can't tell I don't retain a lot when it comes to like historical <laughs> precision. Retain a lot of actors and actresses names. <laughs> yes. And alongside her kind of like the, the, the second most prominent character is played by that wildly unlikable but conspicuously handsome guy from New Girl. No. Like what do you mean? No. No. Don't know. No. The one that isn't Max Greenfield from <laughs> from that and from and he's in like American Horror Story ho like Hotel oh I know which, that which I've only started watching because that tall French guy told me to do it is he the main guy in no Hotel? he's the one that is like blonde and mean and gay and I think he, he's addicted to drugs and then he gets killed and then like trapped inside a mattress is he a model uh, is he like the, the no I think model? he's just hot and into drugs I don't think he's a model I get it I don't know. That show is so bad. It just gets worse it's and worse. It's silly. It's fun. you got to accept that it's silly and fun. No, I haven't been hit in the head with a shovel. I can't. Have you not? I... But you're the way you are. Thank you, but I would like it on the record that I've never been hit in the head with a shovel. Not That's from me. lack of trying. Thank you. <laughs> ducking and weaving. Yeah, I know many a clumsy tradesmen. Yes. yes. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> so Minx. Yes, Minx. So it's this show that's about this feminist woman and she's trying to like get her magazine published and, it's, and she wants it to be all about like feminine because it's all like, you know, that, that wave of feminism. Yes. Yeah, so it's her wanting to just like publish this magazine that's gonna be about like female empowerment and feminism and like you don't have to like be in the home, you can get a job and like women matter as much as men do. And then she goes to this ma like magazine convention, all of the men that oh. are working there are like, shut the fuck up <laughs> And then you she's walk like, and pair of tips. Yes, and then she's disheartened yeah. and then the guy from New Girl that isn't Max Greenfield um is like, Hi, who are you? And then they start talking and then he runs like a bunch of like porn magazines that's all like boobs. Oh, no, I have seen the ads for this. Sure. Yes. So, Once you mentioned porn, I remember. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then they have a meeting. There's all this, like, to and, to and fro stuff. And then, then she's like, but I don't... And, and then his idea is, like, look, if you want your magazine to sell, I have this, like, boob factory where I, like, do all these, like, girl porn magazines for men. And he's like, what if we did, like... We took your idea but made it into like a like oh. a playgirl, like a pre-playgirl playgirl, mm. where it's like, what if we put dicks around all the feminist stuff you want to say? And she's like, no, that will undermine the purpose of the whole thing. And he's like, then, believe me, I'm she, wearing bell-bottom pants. slowly comes to... Well, I got maybe four and a half episodes in and it was just like, part of the reason I stopped was like, it moved too slowly. Like at the end of the first episode, they're sort of like done making the first magazine. There's a photo shoot and everything. Everyone's like, well done. But then it just like, it continues to be about like, how are we going to get corporate sponsorship? What oh. ads are we going to put in? Is one of the models going to pull out? What are the, like the politics if like, if this feminist lady falls in love with one of the hot male models? It's like, Guys, <laughs> that all sounds like interesting stuff. It could be interesting, but it's done too slowly. It is a little bit funny, but literally the reason that I pulled the pin on any interest is because 
this like recent advent, and this is not a thing that I was prepared to talk about, but it's happening. Okay. This recent thing of like men wearing prosthetic penises in movies and television mm. just really annoys me. Because you think they should just have it out? Well, I think if you're going to do it, it's like, part of it is the fact of like, we come from such a long history of like, there's never been an option for women to put like mm. fake boobs and fake vaginas on if they yeah. weren't comfortable with being naked. Yeah. It's like, why now suddenly when there is this like sweeping wave of... Largely, you know, a response to that whole thing of the norm being boobs out. <laughs> the response being like, okay, then like, especially places like Showtime and HBO being like, okay, penises then. But then it's still like, the moment that that happens, suddenly everyone's like, oh, wait, but no, but they can't be expected to show their real penises. Yes. It's like, where were you when the boobs were all happening? Yeah, where are the prosthetic boob shields? And I just, so that's one thing that really frustrates me about the whole thing, because it happened too with sex life, and it happened as well with, what else was it? The other, um, fucking White Lotus like all this oh, shit sure. where it's yeah, like yeah. fake dicks all of a sudden. And so that was annoying. And then it was as well as as we've talked about on this podcast, mm. about like it's really interesting for a person to be so wonderfully generous generous with their body to like <laughs> use all of it to assist in telling a story. Mm. And also it's so interesting to see a person occupy their body when doing something so vulnerable. That stuff's really interesting. And also like you're telling this story about like men being objectified and you aren't going to like debatably objectify any men in the process of discussing it. Yeah, that sounds a bit lame. Yeah, and that's what I was like, no, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> so you're not, so you, you gave it up. I gave it up for all those reasons. So it really you, annoyed me. So would you say that gives your week a what rating? <laughs> um, I don't know. I'll give it, I think, uh, I'll give it a six and a half stars because I think that's how many episodes I watched. And there were good right. things in it. Like I did laugh a couple of times, but yeah, no, they fucked it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so in future, more dicks. Yeah, if you're doing a show about dicks, put dicks in it. Yeah, that, that does seem a little bit on the dick. Don't release... Yes. Thank you. Don't instead just release a bunch of, like, online interviews where it's like, oh, how funny is it to have to choose a penis for a man? <laughs> oh. It's like, we've already d- had this conversation. It was brief and boring. You're ruining everything. <laughs> I don't know. That's my stance on that. That's good. That was... I... I, I... No, I don't need to watch Minx. Yeah, no, don't do it. Unless okay. they change their mind. Or they, like, I don't know, pace it better. <laughs> That's my feedback. <laughs> That's great feedback. Thank you. Uh, do you want to talk about some theatre? I'd love to. Unless you have more things to say about a show you haven't seen. Not much, no. No. <laughs> All right, theatre time. Woo! Hi, Jake. Hello. Oh. <laughs> um, I went to the theatre. Oh, yes. I went to the Theatre Works. Oh. <laughs> Working on it. Um, <laughs> the theatre, that is. Oh, you are. Yeah. Huh? So I went to Theatre Works <laughs> and I saw Trash Pop Butterflies Dance Dance Paradise. What a sentence. A lot of words. Yes. Um, no idea what the show was going to be about uh-huh. because of the title. Right. I love an intriguing title. Yes. Uh, you were intrigued. A, I love a long, intriguing title. What was your f- most intriguing word from that title for you? Probably the fact that it said um, uh, Dance Dance Twice. I was like, is it going to be like a, like a dance piece? <laughs> <laughs> They're like really a, hitting the dance. Like they're really doubling down on that dance. <laughs> Almost twice as much as any of the other words. Well, it's good. it sounds like dance dance party to me. What's a dance head, dance party? I keep saying dance dance party instead of paradise. And I think that... What's speaks. a dance dance party? I don't know. Like, isn't Sing Star and Dance Party, weren't they like games where you like dance a lot and sing a lot? Well, what's the Dance Dance Revolution? That's what I'm thinking of. Thank you. Dance Dance Revolution. That's what it makes me think of. Is that the one that like people in bad movies go on dates and then clunk around in the, those arcades with the arrows on the ground? I think it's like that, but there's also like a version you have in your home with like a little camera. Not in my home. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to let Dance Dance Paradise watch me while I dance. Why not? Don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Confidential. Intriguing. Intriguing. Yes. <laughs> uh, so went along, sat on down. Yep. 
in the audience. Ooh. <laughs> uh, and the, uh, so it's in the main, it's in the main theater workspace. Yes. Uh, and the space is sort of like cut in half by this big, like punk looking tapestry that covers the entire stage like a, a curtain made out of patchwork of like like different materials and and like slogans scrawled all over it okay uh, there were little things like fuck capitalism um uh, there was one up there that said every woman is a riot uh, and another one that was like fuck the clock burn the bank long live pussy um so that's Sorry, I've written burn the blank because I've forgotten what the burn the was. <laughs> Good reporting. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, uh, and all, all of Julia, uh, section from Julia Gillard's I will not be lectured about misogyny um, speech was also on the left side of this tapestry. Good impression. Good. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. I can do more if you want. Oh, I'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then there's like a little uh, cut out in the middle for like people to come out of. A door. Not a door. Like <laughs> a, a doorway. Like I'm bad at describing things. Like a large square. Cut a square out of, a quilt square. hole. <laughs> yes. A walk-in square. A walk-in square. <laughs> a patch of non-quilt. Uh, and it's uh, moving on from that. It's a tapestry more than a quilt. It's. I would say it's like a... It's. It's. I would say it's a tapestry more than a quilt. Oh, good. I keep trying to turn it into the AIDS quilt. But I Well, it does, it does have a bit of an AIDS quilt vibe mind, around it. In my mind, that's not it, my plan. But that, it does give that impression of this feels like it's made by people working towards something. Cool. Like, it immediately gives that vibe. Like a banner. Like a banner. Yeah, yes. like a banner. Um, do you have any more? <laughs> no, that's all the things sheet. I know. <laughs> a woven piece of work. Uh, and in front of it, there's like um, little couches and sort of milk crates and all these various used items to be to be sort of scattered around. Okay. Hipster so, furniture, it sounds very like. Very hipster furniture. Okay. Uh, sort of, so it immediately feels punk, immediately feels radical. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and immediately, you can sort of pick up on the vibe of like, it's going to be a little bit about like, I guess like a, like a little bit of capitalism and, and feminism and, and 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 consumerism and all these things all the isms oh uh, sort of feels like it's going to touch on okay um so sitting on down out come the three main performers um Haley edwards vivian Nguyen, and alana louise uh as moon pepper and kitty respectively okay. great great names uh-huh uh so what what We've been seeing a lot of climate change and climate awareness theatre recently. Yes. And this was one of them. Okay. And it was (laughs) presented as sort of like this nebulous world where these three characters were a a sort of girl punk band. Cool. And they had this sort of... I sort sort of read it as these three people coming together to sort of try and fix the world from the aforementioned... Capitalism, the patriarchy, and climate change mm-hmm. uh, through the power of like punk ideals and doing a punk concert. Okay, so that's what they're working towards, and the it's sort of a section, a series of small pieces about uh, the futility of trying to save the world in any sort of way. Um, is what it sort of came across to me as. Okay, um, the futility of trying to save the world. The futility, and also the naivety. Of, like, what some people try and do to sort of save the... Like, you know, like, the idea of putting on a punk concert to save the world. This is their opinion as characters? Uh, I'm not... No, I don't think so. I think the characters very much believe in what they're doing. Oh, okay. But the work, to me, came across as, like... Is the work... Is it another post-hope work? Is it another work where it's, like... No, it's not post-hope. This one's full of hope. Oh, cool. Real hope. Okay, great. Um... Yeah, so I guess I'll just jump into some of the things that I that that, re- that stuck with me and I remembered. Absolutely. Putting all that aside, which I will get back to, I want to immediately jump to my my favorite part of the whole show. Okay. Um, Margot Morel and uh, Mifan. Oh God, I can never say it. Mifanwi. 
why are you going up at the end? Because I'm asking you if that's how... That sounds correct. Thank yes. you. Um, <laughs> Hocking. Yes, Miffy. Um, playing bugs and animals and critters and creatures. Uh-huh. So intermittently, these two would come out in these adorable little, like, made-from-used-items costumes. Mm-hmm. And they'd be representing a different animal or bug. And they would have, like, a five-minute scene where it's just the two of them doing fun little accents and sort of having an interaction which is sort of a reflection on one of the themes of the show. Like, they come out, for example, they came out as uh, butterflies at first. And they had these cute little wings on, they were flapping around, and they would be confused by iPhones and planes, and they were sort of talking about this hiker who was taking photos of them, and they don't really understand why why they do that, and why they're focusing so much on them when they're surrounded by nature. Um... And then another time they come out as bees with Boston accents. Mm-hmm. Terrific. Um, and that one felt very... They sort of speak about one of them is... I'm getting wrapped up. So they're... In Boston bees. I'm right, I love the Boston bees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're hunting pollen for the hive. The bees are. The bees. The, the Boston, Boston bees. bees. The bees from Boston. Yeah. And mm-hmm. one of them is convinced that hard work and, and pollinating each flower correctly is going to be the right way to make the queen happy. Mm-hmm. And the other one has like a little cheat way of doing it where you just rip out a base of the, of the flower and suck the honey, suck the pollen out, and, and you don't need to work harder, but you get the same reward. And it's sort of like this conversation of... Is it worthwhile working hard and grinding and climbing the ladder, or is it worthwhile just doing what you need to to get by? Mm-hmm. And which one is sort of like the more ethical thing to do? So as they came out as these different animals and bugs each time, they would sort of have an interaction like that, and it would sort of reflect on the story as it goes on in whole of the other three, sort of going through their lives in this. I couldn't figure out if they live. They seem to live in a share house, I think. But also... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what a good place to live, a baby. Place to live, baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, Do you like my milk crates, baby? Share, share, rain it in. Rain oh, it sorry. In. No, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> want to um, talk about Mamma Mia too? Have a seat. Have a seat. Have a, have a, oh, we Fernando. Do talk oh. about Mamma Mia too. What's wrong? I want to talk about Mamma Mia too so bad. Of course, all the time. Stop bringing it up. Okay. No. <laughs> so the three of them live in a share house, yes. a house that is shared. Yes. Um, <laughs> sort of presented as this big warehousey space, mm-hmm. and they all have their own sort of attitude towards this punk, um, anarchy. Uh, idea of rejecting all of the government and rejecting all the systems in place and they're all wrong and we need to do our own thing. Uh-huh. Uh, so in my mind, it's like if Josie and the Pussycats really cared about the environment. 100%. Great. Yes. I've been listening to that soundtrack so much lately. I want to watch that movie. Alan Cummings in that. Yeah. Parker Posey, Rachel Lee Cook, Rosario Dawson, Tara Reid. The list goes on. Breck and Meyer, Seth Green. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right in <share>. No! <laughs> oh, have you seen Josie and the Pussycats? So, <laughs> three... Hayley Edwards, who yeah. I saw in um, Lemon Tree on Drag Street that I really, really loved. Great. And was terrific in that show, has flipped it around, whereas in that show... They were <laughs> now playing... she's bad! She's bad! <laughs> she's evil! No, whereas in that show they were playing a much more grounded, sort of emotionally mature and complicated character. Yeah. Not to say that they're not in this one. Mm-hmm. They're now playing this sort of, dare I say, ditzy. <laughs> okay. Character brave to say that. I know it is brave <laughs> to say that, but in a very charming, in a way of sort of like... And this is where I think the naivety sort of comes in. The sort of idea of, if we want to fix the world, we can just do this. Mm-hmm. And they're wearing this beautiful sort of pink spin on the punk outfit. Um, and they're sort of like the innocence and soul of the group. Okay. And then Vivian Nguyen is playing Pepper, mm-hmm. who is much more down the barrel brains. And you can't really do this because you need to do this. And you can't really do this. 
uh, versus Alana Louise playing Kitty, mm-hmm. who was sort of the cult leader. It, okay. But it was a cult. It, it oh. feel, the more and more I think about it, the, the more and more three of them were the three a cult. Of them were a cult. But they were yes. also convincing the Boston Bees to be in the cult as well. No, so that, so the animals are completely separate. Oh, okay. They have nothing to do. So with it's the a three person cult. It's a three person cult. Okay, which I love. And Kitty is the mayor. And Kitty is the mayor of the cult. Okay. <laughs> um, and so it's the three of them having interactions about how to save this planet and how to save the world. One of my favorite parts of the entire show immediately uh-huh. uh, is Moon and Pepper go to Kmart. Great. And they run into... Um, I wrote down the name. Mm-hmm. I wrote down the name. I just want to know I'm more of a big W man. Just saying that while James looks at his notes. Well, I've actually found... I was just waiting for you to finish your thought. Oh, you're just scrolling w. to humor me. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> Margot playing Sally, selling donuts. Okay. I have never <laughs> had a reaction to a character like this. Mm-hmm. They come out and she's got like this, this little stand where the donuts are. And the other two are sort of wandering about the Kmart and they come over to her. It was like, like Lana Del Rey or some ethereal, beautiful angel mm-hmm. just selling donuts. Okay. And Margot, I've, I've now done some research, is an incredible singer, I know for a fact. Okay. Um, so <laughs> just the choice of them, and it sort of became this conversation of, can I ethically buy these donuts if, like, they've been produced in a factory and me buying them will promote the growth of donuts and uh. big donuts will make more factories. And then that conversation sparked into you can't be, you know, accountable for every small choice. Like, you do need to have Is some... accountable or a cannibal? Accountable. Accountable. Yes. You can be a cannibal. You can. That's oh, oh, trust Arguably me. much more ethical. Oh. <laughs> ethical? What'd you say? Ethical. Ethical. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so, Margot... <laughs> I want to see that. I want to see Sally again. You want I, want to see I want to see Sally, Sally sell donuts. I want to see Sally spin up. I do. I really, really do. Um, one thing. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. One thing that happened during the show, and it's happened at other shows. Yeah. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Oh yes. <laughs> I love to think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> we believe you. Um, I didn't finish Minx. <laughs> I couldn't think more about Minx. Uh, so. Every scene ends... I'm going to describe a very conventional thing in theatre. A scene ends and ah! the lights go out. Okay. And they change the scene, right? Yep. That happens in shows. So you're describing like one of those like scene end blackouts and then you hear set move around? Yeah, <laughs> and, then, and then the cast like shift things around and the yeah. lights come up and they do the next scene. Yeah, the old transish. So that happens fairly frequently because there's a lot of different scenes in the show. In this show you're talking in, about? In this particular show. Yes, yes, yes. Every time yes. the lights went dark... Quack, quack. The, like the audience was sitting waiting for the next scene it was like maybe like all of 10 seconds but there was someone in the audience that was sort of just immediately <laughs> and just huh? start and then everyone would sort of go oh and at, we'd all have to clap at what point when the transition was over when the when the lights went out like at the end of every scene oh there was someone who would like really fiercely start clapping that gave every scene an applause every single scene oh. to the point where I'm convinced it must have been someone involved with the show <laughs> really well I just because it's happened at other shows. You know when, like, the director... Like, especially for, like, school productions. Okay. Like, a director will be sitting in the audience and there'll be, like, a bit where they're, like, they're not quite sure if the audience is going to get that that's the end of a scene or that they're... And so they'll sort of start the applause. Okay. And this happened every scene. And I don't think we need to applaud every scene. <laughs> I'm just putting it out. This is no. not on the show. This is nothing to do with the show. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, discussing the convention. For sure. I'd say it's... Fu- I, I'm kind of fine with it if it's like trying to establish a pattern. If it's like, mm. if you, I'd say there's absolutely more room to forgive this sort of thing in a high school production or something. Yep. But if you, bel- I don't know, I, I, I guess if you if you establish it one time, 
Hmm. As the person that's like, you know what? I think this show and the rhythm that yep. it has can be supported by the idea and has earned the practice of clapping at the end of every, like, big... I'd say you need to be doing something rather impressive to think that every scene every deserves scene. an applause break. Yeah. But if you do it the first time, as the person that believes it's necessary, yep. if you're connected to the show, yep. then you leave it up to the audience and you see if they do and it if for they the keep rest. going... Wonderful. That's fine. Then you're doing something. I'd say that's fine. I'd say there's also th- something too. Is like if you're watching a musical, and again, it's much more acceptable in like independent and down. I'd say of like teaching people to clap at the end of songs. Yep. Yes. That's oh, some, totally. You know, the end of the song. It's the sort of thing where it's like, as with everyone's seen, sometimes you'll see a show and it's like because the first song doesn't get a clap. Mm. It takes us maybe three or four songs to relearn that that's what you're sort of meant to do as a yes. convention of musical theatre. Yes, 100%. I think if you're teaching that, or of course, I'm always fine with someone attached to the show initiating the very last applause if we yep. don't know that the show's ended. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, and that's what I mean in particular, that, that sort of vibe. Yeah. But every scene... It's just not, because isn't this, apart from maybe the final dance piece, isn't it largely just a, uh, it's, it's theatre, isn't it? It's not a musical or a play with songs. No, it's theatre. It? There's, there's two songs, both of them by Margot, both of them terrific. I'll get to the second one. Yeah, great. Um, but, but no, it's odd for a piece of dramatic theatre to get claps. Every scene. Interesting. Which, yeah, just to me, and it, 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 to me, and this had nothing, no reflection on the show whatsoever, yeah. but it did make it feel a bit like, oh God, okay, I guess we have to clap for everything. <laughs> Like, because sure. it was just sort of, and, and, and I mean, every scene, it was never like the entire audience starting out a clap. It was, yeah. it was that one person. Huh. And I'm wondering, was it just a really avid fan? Was it oh, someone involved no. in the show? Like, if yeah. it was an avid fan? Is it possible that they were just trying to, like, kill the silence of the transitions? Was there music with the transitions? There was music with the transitions. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. And which which made me which which also made me think well, just let it let that be. Let Maybe the be. cast was like shy and they <laughs> sure. wanted the yeah. the push. <laughs> Again, I I fully I'm not saying they didn't deserve applause. Yeah. Oh no, it's did. just interesting. Yeah, that's and yeah, yeah it it did make it fe- it did make me think of high school shows, which I think was to me like oh that's. Okay. Yeah. Also, maybe this clapper comes from like a different culture or something. Totally. Maybe and the type of theatre they've totally. ingested. That's a convention. Totally. And that's the thing. It was in the dark. I don't know who it was. Quack quack. Quack yeah. quack. No. That's just, the magic of the darkness. Something that I noticed. Yeah. No. It's an interesting thing to notice. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and now a series of things from the show that I really thought was terrific. Great. Love um, a list. Love <laughs> a list. Um, Haley Edwards scatting along to Kmart like music. Yeah. Just. The, as the two of them approach the front of the stage and the scatting getting more and more and more bizarre and okay. louder sure. as the, as time went by I thought was a terrific thing I want to see Hayley Edwards scat to more oh stuff I, like Hayley Edwards I just enjoy anything she does It'd be, uh, give Hayley more challenges give for Hayley us to witness more. have you seen Hayley Edwards in a show? a bunch of things yeah the yeah. most recent one I think was The Marvelous Life of Carlo Gatti Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, I no. always got that confused with the gay and fabulous life of Caleb Gallo. Yes, they are different titles and different people and different subject matters and different mediums artistically. But yes, Any I see other different confused. things you want to list at no, us? No, Hayley Edwards was also in one of them. Great. Um, <laughs> another great thing. Margot did another song as like a deeply southern Texan spider. Great. Singing to a, singing to a, I think it was a redback spider. Singing okay. to Miffy and sort of like, it was, it was the, the song about being overtaken by toxic, like, Toxic poison that makes you fall in love with a spider, which is how that spider breeds. Like, oh. it, it spits poison at the other male spider and it goes sort of... Is that a fact from nature? That's a fact from nature. A lot of female spiders kill any male spiders when they mate. Oh, but is the... Do redback spiders... Is it a poison they use in I order to make the spider... It may not have been a redback them. spider. It may not have been a redback, but it was like, whatever sort of spider it was, there is spider... There are spiders out there. They throw poison and that poison makes the spider want to have sex with them. I can't remember if it makes them want to have sex or if it like just completely makes them go a bit like high so that they're very easy to catch and then have sex with and then eat. 
Is that the basis of the song Funky Cold Medina? (laughs) (laughs) Was that written by a spider? Holy shit, I think it was the basis for the song Funky Cold Medina. Oh my god, I always thought he was weird. He's a spider! (laughs) Uh, But that wasn't the song that Margot sang. It was this beautiful southern, like... Oh, I love you. Like, it was really good. Okay. Um, so that's a moment that's going to stick with me for a really long time. Uh-huh. I've already spoken about Margot was Lana Del Rey selling donuts. Yes. I assume it was Lana Del Rey that they were... Margot, right in. I want to know if it was Lana Del Rey. That they were basing the character on? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, it felt very, like... Your guess isn't that it was meant to be Lana Del Rey disguised as Sally selling donuts? No, I don't think it was meant to be Lana Del Rey. Well, it could have been. I didn't think of... You know what? We're getting too far into that bit. My other favourite <laughs> bit was a monologue about a mushroom at the end of the earth. The end of the earth. Yeah, so it was this sort of running theme through the show about mushrooms growing on. And it's this type of mushroom that grows in specific human waste. Like, Mm -hmm. specifically it grew in, like, a lot of, like, Hiroshima aftermath. There was this mushroom that grew. And I just think that idea of, like, life coming out of death from stuff that we've made Mm. and not occurring naturally anywhere else was an interesting element of the show. Sure. Um, And there was a monologue about that that I really, really liked. Yeah, yeah, life coming out of that like very human bred destruction is super interesting. That's yep. why, and I find myself talking about talking about curveball even more than I thought that I would. <laughs> but the sequence where it seemed like the three performers were like falling in love with and then being manipulated by like people like creatures made entirely out of plastic waste. Oh yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, but then I realized that I was sort of misunderstanding what the scene was about. But that's <laughs> <laughs> but, but your yeah, idea of what it was but was again, very cool. That's yeah, theater. No, it's one of those shows that I didn't. It really crept up on me a bit, like how much I keep thinking about it. So yeah, I think this mushroom is going to stick with me for a while. Like, oh, yeah. It feels like the earth feels is, like a sticky mushroom. Well, it feels like the earth is like a little terrarium, and all things are in equilibrium. Even if we sort of like fuck things up, it's just going to go back to normal eventually. Well, for the I world. keep thinking about because of like things I'm studying at the moment. Like homeostasis is so interesting to me. Mm. You know. In the human body and outside of it, you know? Like, yeah. the effort of an organism to maintain its equilibrium. Yeah, yeah. And the things that it just organically does in order to maintain that void of any, like, I don't know, in terms of at least our definition of it, like, consciousness. And it's it just so swings one way and swings the other. Mushrooms also, I just find, so fascinating. Like, um, slime molds that are just, like, you know, those weird, funky little, like, slimy things that spread around. They don't have a nervous system. They don't have a brain. But they seem to be able to sort of think. And, like, they'll grow through a maze to find, like like little bits of food and stuff and they share a huge consciousness of some sort. Mycelium networks. Mycelium networks, Jake. Mycelium networks! (laughs) We'll start another episode where I talk about mushrooms more. Oh, good, because I just felt like you were having a night terror. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) Okay, good. That's good. I've been having a lot of mushrooms. I was scared. I sat in the second row and looking at the show as I walked in, I was worried there would be some audience participation. I don't know what made me think that there could be. But just the fact that it looked like it would be like a punk sort of out there show. I was mm. very scared. There wasn't. Good. So thank God for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. If you had to come up with like a little tagline to like to put on the poster, what would you say? I, te- I would want to say like Green Day meets Animal Farm. Green Day meets Animal Farm. Is, is what I think okay. this show is best. In, for me, the sort, of, the sort of like the failing, not the failings necessarily, but like the struggles of a group trying to overthrow an oppressive regime and falling prey to some of the same issues that regime has. Mm -hmm. As well as Green Day, because punk, you know? Green Day Meats is almost a good name for a company that makes, like, Beyond Meat. Green Day Meats. Green Green Day Day Meats. Meats. Yep, that is good. That's my takeaway. Hi, Jack. Hello, James. Hello. Um, I was meant to go and see a show at La Mama recently. Yes. And I say it was meant because I was unable to attend. Yes. So the show was called Flesh Disease. Uh-huh. It was at La Mama. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I sent our friend Henry Kelly to go and see the show. Sure. Um, uh, 
<laughs> That's a person. <laughs> That's for sure. A person we know. Um, Henry is a theatrical creative. Uh, <laughs> just giving a brief intro because um, we asked Henry to sort of record a little um, synopsis of what he thought. Uh, and he sent that through to us. And we're very keen to give that a listen to right now with all of our ears and yours with us. Yeah, so this is Henry Kelly's take on flesh disease at La Mama. My God, catchy. Yeah, no, I, we've never done this before, so yeah. we'll see what happens right now. <laughs> yeah. Hello, praise Dionysus. Praise him. This is Henry Kelly. Um, I'm an actor and a theatre maker and a playwright and um, a pal of old Jamesy and Jakey. Um, and they've asked me to have a chat about a show that I saw. My, I have also been asked to rate my week. Um, so I'm going to do 84 stars out of whatever. Um, had a good week. I finished up my hospital job. So now I have a life. Um, I did some gay things, like went to clubs, which I haven't done in a long time. But not like, you know, yayas. Like I went to a warehouse party and then went to a DJ set. It was fun. Um, And then I also worked for the Melbourne Theatre Company. So it was a good week. Um, So the show that I saw was called Flesh Disease at La Mama. It was at the HQ. The day that I went, I was coming out of a little, you know, Menti B episode and I was wanting to just, you know, ease myself out of the house. I was originally going to go with James and then James got sicky. So I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to go alone, you know, see a play. I won't have to talk to anyone because I'm at the theatre alone. The name Flesh Disease is very appealing to me. I like a little spooky name and a little bit grungy and the premise of the show was about five women who come together to knit while they're performing the show and I thought that was a really intriguing thing. I personally love to see action on stage like like a task I guess is a better way. So knitting is a perfect thing if you're just sitting there knitting for an entire show there is so much watchability in that and interest if you're actually just knitting and not performing knitting. There was this one woman who just had this bundle of yarn and it was legitimately tangled. And for the first half of the show, she was really trying to untangle it. And that was really engaging to watch. So yeah, it's about these five women from different generations who all come together in like a knitting club. Um, and they're just, you know, chatting about life and, you know, past members of the club. One of the younger members' mother was in the club and through the dialogue, it's kind of alluded to that she's unwell. So they just like ask her how she is and, and stuff. And, um, and that's, that's kind of where it peaks. Um, and then it just, it, um, I really, really wanted it to stay in this like, task-based world with all these women coming together and just chatting about what starts as nonsense and then goes into like something deeper and more interesting and beautiful. Instead, we kind of had this lovely moment of dialogue and connection and like banter, honestly, amongst these friends. And then 
we move into a strange viewpointy movement world um and yeah i just i think i i walked away really wanting this kind of stationary location and action and small talk going into something greater but yeah it was a strong start to that show and especially in a in a space like the mama that's so focused on works at an early stage of development yeah and sometimes you do need an audience to kind of see where a show is going and figure out what's the next step with the work so yeah that was me seeing flesh disease praise him well, great. Yep, that super duper happened. For sure. <laughs> um, thank you for doing that, Henry. Yeah, thank you, Henry. Appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to hearing from other people about other things. Yeah. <laughs> My God. Uh, knitting. Knitting on stage. Oh, that's something you glomped onto. That's I'm. I have a. I have a one track brain, and I like seeing. I agree with Henry. I like seeing action on stage, like the sort of like tasks. I think it's what when makes, you're saying action, as Henry did. I don't mean action. fighting. We don't mean fighting. So what do you? You're like, the one talking. What action, do you mean by action? Like, like an action, like knitting or like for example in like naturalist pieces like actually cooking something on stage or like i think i particularly find things interesting or when they're menial not, maybe not interesting but engaging when people take things that are so yeah menial and mundane but you just don't see them done on stage very often okay. like cooking on stage like if they were if someone were to like get a lawnmower on stage and mow some fake grass or something like something like that okay i think for, i don't know why is that interesting to me what is it about that that makes me go this is i think it's taking the mundane uh-huh. and bringing it on stage and making it something unique and memorable because it is just not something you would do on a stage because it belongs more to the natural world than it does to the like the naturalistic world yeah i guess so yeah because because okay. you speak i remember one of the first shows i think we spoke about in this podcast music yes where that guy has there's a like, cook a whole bunch of meals yeah yeah music by jane Bodie starring maniesa martinez yes good memory thank you i can't remember five minutes ago mm. <laughs> um who are you <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw in Sydney, one of the shows I saw was uh, Blessed Union, which was like a comedy about um, two lesbian women going through a divorce in like a very equitable way. And as the show went on, like one of the themes, there was like a very naturalist set of a house. And as they went on, they would be cooking for different meals and stuff. And they would put the food down or they would put like the stuff they'd made down on the table. And by the end of the show, the whole the whole set was covered in like different bowls of different food from different events they just hadn't cleaned up. Mm-hmm. And that felt to me like a really nice way of representing sort of like, I don't know, the build-up of domestic sort of... not The opposite of domestic bliss. I don't know what that would be. Domestic abuse, but not abuse. Sure. Um, and I think that is what I find interesting about like these sort of simple things that we do in every day that can then be taken on stage and used to represent so much more. Like, it sounds to me, knitting was in this show sort of used to sort of express the knitting of... the weaving of stories, the weaving of tapestries that we tell each other and that simple act of actually knitting something or making something becomes much more when you do it on a stage in front of an audience. Well, it sounds like you're talking about two different things, though. It seems as mm. if you're talking, on, on one hand, talking about, like, hypernatural things put on stage yeah. and that just being interesting because that's an unfamiliar place to see something so natural yeah. and menial. And then on the other side of things, it seems like you're interested as well in the idea of something that is very, very typical and everyday, taking on, like, a semiotic loading and symbolically meaning something that it doesn't normally, that I then affects that the way things. that you perceive that thing. In everyday life, like to see something, like to see an old pasta dish on someone's table, and now you'll remember a time where that symbolically meant 
lesbian sadness. You're right, that is two different things. I guess I just like seeing things done on stage. James, <laughs> that is too often your epiphany. Yeah, but <laughs> this is, you say the hyper intelligent things, and I say my dummy all encompassing things. <laughs> that is not our it's dynamic. A good dynamic. Oh. Um, I like seeing things done on stage, and I'm not afraid of admitting it. Sure, yeah. I'd say something that maybe exists in either like a third circle of this Venn diagram or something. I'm just like now remembering. Um, the experience of I'm quite sure it was Entrant Gerd came here and performed I think three different shows at the MTC um, I believe I could be remembering part of this wrong but I'm quite sure it was them or it was Forced Entertainment one of the two had come here internationally and performed a number of pieces one of them was one that was just I believe it was three performers they were on stage and it began with like the, the, the floor was just used as a blackboard and then they began with one instigating idea in the center of the blackboard and then the entire show and it was about an hour long and it was them just adding to it you know like like a mind map it was almost like mm. that one idea is oh, in the great. center and then you're just adding ideas through like lines and new circles and new lines and arrows and question marks and yeah. that sort of thing and the whole show was just like watching this idea spread Almost like one of these like semi-conscious fungus puddles that you were talking about. There you go, slime mold. <laughs> you know, it was that kind of thing. But seeing like a, an idea take shape physically in front of you on the floor. That does sound... I think that's different though. I agree. Yeah, but yeah. for some reason, the, the things you but said similar connected to that of, in my head. Yeah, I guess that is the, the other side of that... Uh, what's the word? I don't know what you're trying to describe. <laughs> um, doesn't matter anymore. But interesting. That does sound interesting. I suppose so. Was there anything else that Henry said about flesh disease that interests you? Yeah, I mean, I guess anytime, and I've seen, I feel like I've seen a few shows at La Mama recently that have this sort of thing. Anytime there's sort of like stories between generations of like intergenerational storytelling and how one affects the other affects the other. Um, like I saw, um, oh God, what was it called? That show about the three witches. Um, oh, the version of Macbeth? Yeah, yeah, I can't remember the name because my brain is foggy. Uh-huh. Um, uh, not all dictators. Yes, not all dictators. Not all, that's the one. Yeah. Um, that was <laughs> particularly a story about like three generations of sort of, three different generations of women going through different types of trauma of war. Um, and I think, yeah, I think I just appreciate any time this sort of room made for particularly older generations. Mm. Um, alongside younger and middle generations, I think is always a good thing. I wish we all weren't so cordoned off from other age groups and like even yeah. other demographics. But if you're talking about age specifically, I wish I was just forced to be around people of different ages more consistently in a way that bred discussion. Oh, totally. Because there are no ways that aren't just sort of like, all right, now you go together, guys. Like it, it's the the only way you interact with the elderly now is if it's your grandparents or like you have some specific reason to be around the elderly. Even, like, from, like, the get-go, I would love the idea that, like, in, like, primary school or high school or something, that there were classes that you would learn mm. as, like, a 12-year-old alongside, like, a 7-year-old. Or that you would learn things as a 14-year-old next to someone that was 17. And oh, the classes themselves would be largely conversational. And you'd get to hear about people that aren't your age talking about stuff. And I mean, that's, that's, how, a, really that's a way idea. that you would learn. That's a really good idea. It's something. Um, director of <laughs> education, I assume we have one. Listen to Jake. <laughs> At last. I don't know politics are. God. Um, yes. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, I guess Dance Dance Trash Butterflies. I don't know what the title of it is. But uh, it, just... it was Trash Pop Butterflies Dance Dance Paradise. Thank you, sorry. I'm still getting it into my noggin. Uh, yeah, it, just, it, it pointed me in the direction of thinking about that book Utopia that I only read because Drew Barrymore read it in Ever After. But, it, you know, mm -hmm. it just painted mm -hmm. the vision of a paradise where things were a little bit more wholesome and i long for it every day <laughs> yeah but instead we're probably headed for 
hell. Instead, yes, hell is coming. But, yes. you know, <laughs> we took a swing. <laughs> there are no dress around. rehearsals in the story of the world. We've inherited a burning planet, and that's just what we got to deal with. <laughs> I'm post-hope. You're post-hope. Yeah. Sure. You know Post Malone? Not intimately. No, neither do I. No, I... Or, no, I was about to say some very ignorant things about me not knowing the differences between different rappers. Oh, well, that's maybe... <laughs> yeah, not racially. Ah! You're making it sound as if I was going to say something really cancelable. No, well, what were like, you going to say? Ah, no, like... I don't, uh, bad Baby. Uh, bad Bunny. Post Malone. Jack Harlow. These are all people that rap, yeah. yeah but I don't... I. Oh, sure, yeah. You play <laughs> any of their songs, I could not tell it apart. I, no. I, yeah, I don't think I could name any of their songs. Um, I, well, no, no. I know that Jack Harlow was the one in that Lil Nas X song. And then Industry, yes. Industry, that music video came out and the, uh, most of the thing is Lil Nas X having like sexcapades with a bunch of male prisoners because he's famously a homosexual. What? The, what do you mean, what? He's gay. Oh, James. <laughs> <laughs> then it comes to Jack Harlow's like bridge verse, whatever it is. And then he's alone in a different room in the prison, like humping a bunch of women. And then people as a response to it were like, we get it, you're straight. Why did, you don't have to be like surrounded by boobs for us to know that. And then Jack Harlow is jokingly like, if I was told to be with men I would have done it with men and then Lil Nas X is like let's get back in the studio and do it again jokingly being like we can remake this music video with you doing gay stuff and it's like bitch why weren't you doing that in the first place <laughs> yeah that is interesting I why, why wasn't your wasn't pitch to him assu gay? assuming you're telling the truth why wasn't the pitch and now Jack Harlow will do sexual things with men because being open to the fluidity of your sexual orientation is a cool interesting trendy well, thing we could have done artistically drum up some publicity I mm, trying to, maybe any publicity is good publicity I have heard that yeah. but yeah no for some reason I didn't realise there was this well of frustration to dive into but that's a thing that has annoyed me in the past and apparently I'm still ready to get Just riled up about energy it energy coming across to me right now I'm sorry for having opinions with exclamation marks in I'm actually an empath and I'm very sensitive to emotions and I can tell you're a bit miffed. <laughs> so just, hey, take a deep breath. Mm -hmm. Take a deep breath now with me. Come on. Go, no. Okay. I will right. not be condescended to. <laughs> not now. Not ever. Hello, James. Hello. Hi. <laughs> da, 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 da. I can't do any more. No, copyright. legally speaking, you can't. But yeah. that was pretty impressive. Pretty that impressive. was recognisable. Well, but also, throw that out of your mind, sweet, sweet listeners. Done. Because I feel like it's not legal for you to have that in your brain while we talk about a show that is quite distinctly <laughs> not supposed to seem connected to Harry Potter. <laughs> it is called Puffs. 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 I went to see it at Beaumaris Theatre Company. Great. Which is a little community theatre in Beaumaris. My God, it sounds like you're going to love this. Based on my tone. You love a little community theatre. The littler, the better. The yeah. more community... The, the better immunity. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, that's good. Not really. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, no. But uh, partially, oh, I, was my God. I was excited to go back to this theatre because, as I'm sure you remember in great detail, not that I knew you at the time, this is where the, this is the theatre where I played Prince Charming in Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella. This is that theatre? This is that theatre. Oh, my God. You have history there. I do. There I you past, go. That yes. would be very fun to go back I to. I tread those boards. Has it, cha <laughs> has it changed much? Um, architecturally, no. It looked the same. Oh. oh, isn't that nice? That is nice. Yeah, no, I even ran Wait, you played Prince Charming? I did. I played Prince Charming. You played him in that you deceived him in some sort of way? Yeah. I played him good, took all his money. <laughs> I, in, in a production of Sleeping Beauty. Oh, that Prince Charming? Yeah, which one were you? I was the one from Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella. 
Okay, so different different shows, but yes, both but that's showings. nice there because that character is debatably the same one that's in Maleficent too, one of the best films out there. You really talk about Maleficent a lot. I love Maleficent. Okay, right. <laughs> so you went to see Puffs. I went to see Puffs. Mm. I went with beautiful British Johnny. Before we went to the theater, we <laughs> we found like this Indian restaurant that's attached to a motor inn on the freeway. Oh my! <laughs> is it a freeway or a highway? It's the one. It takes you to Morris Theater Company. It's like a long like a highway. I don't drive, Jack. And, well, no, but either way, you have to really look for it, but it's like, it's wrapped, like, this little Indian restaurant, you have to go down a staircase to get into Why it. were you looking for this restaurant in particular? We were hungry, and Johnny had Googled something. Okay, sure. And I was like, this way! <laughs> and then, yeah, we found this sweet little Indian restaurant. We were the only ones there, and it was encircled by motor inn apartments, oh and we God. had a pretty good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so then, okay. left there, full of Indian food. Did you have any Curry puffs? Oh! oh delightful word. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> no! No! You stupidity. Why would you ask, dummy? <laughs> but then, yeah, went to Beaumaris Theatre. Right. Um, yeah, and then the first face that I see is like wonderful Debbie Kite. So, and, and she like runs Beaumaris Theatre. Oh, and right. she also directed me in Cinderella. Oh. So, the past exists. Anyway, it sure does. <laughs> went inside with Johnny, went inside, sat down. And then the show started to start. And even like before, while well, you look at me like that. Just, you don't sound like a human being. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, then the show began. So it's called Puffs. Um, so what are you... So obviously we come from a background of like you caring about Harry Potter as much as you do and then the two of us having worked at Harry Potter and the Cursed Child as bartenders for a period of time. And also having worked in a, in a, in a theatre where a lot of people who were in the original Australian production of Puffs worked as well. Is that a fact? Yeah, like Daniel Cosgrove. Um, who else is in that? Rob Olivia, Mills. Rob Shaw. <laughs> Olivia, Olivia Clark, was, uh, Dresser to the Stars, worked on Puffs. Oh, cool. Yeah. That yeah. Was so the, Was that the Australian premiere? I'm, I'm, unless I'm speaking with a foot in my mouth, I'm no, fairly believe, certain. No, was, I feel like yeah. when I started seeing Rob Mills get promoted for doing that, it was the first time I heard of the yeah, show at all. Yeah, it was quite a big deal for them at the time. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And apparently it was a very good show, so I'm excited to hear about this production well, of Puffs. We'll see Puff if they kicked it in the face. Puff Duction. Yeah, why not? Oh, that's. Oh, but yeah, we do have a little special connection to all things theater and Harry Potter. Okay. I said, do you, you call like it that? special? Yeah, <laughs> call it <Sure>. something. <laughs> um, yeah, this <laughs> this production, the two act edition by Matt Cox. I'm oh, sure, sure of what that means. You would, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, this production was directed by Dan Bellis and Christina Ducugliagos. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> that's that. Anyway, yeah. So the show starts, and then so it's like the premise of it is the idea that this is like the stuff that was happening to. A group of people like the Hufflepuffs, yes. <laughs> while someone like Harry Potter was at <laughs> right. at at this wizard school. <laughs> well, we had this conversation about um, what was it? Um, Harry Potter and the Teenage Voldemort. What was the show that you oh, saw? Oh yeah, um, yep. We yep. had a very similar conversation to what I feel like we're about to get onto of like what is it? it was like Voldemort and the Teenage Hogwarts. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Yes. With Alex Donnelly. Yes. Yes. And it was sort of like, how far can you go with this sort of work? Because they were able to say Voldemort in the title. But yes. Pups, for some reason, can't... They, they, I feel like the copyright was stricter with Pups for some reason. Yeah, or they were just especially cautious. I'm sure, not sure. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, but yeah. So how would you... Let's... <laughs> imagine we're going to Hogwarts. How do you feel about the concept of... Like, you put that judgmental hat on your noggin. Yep. How would you feel about the prospect of being sorted into Hufflepuffs? People really love to kick up a fuss about it. Like, oh my god, I wouldn't be a Hufflepuff. Like, bitch, you're not going to be a Gryffindor. 
Like, you're, you are a Hufflepuff. Well, it's all well and good to say that about other people, but I think that's because you assume you get put into, like, the sexy snake one. I do assume I'd be put in Slytherin, I am. I, yes, because I you assume, assume that. that the hat would be as judgmental and vaguely homophobic as the Pottermore quiz that put us both into Slytherin <laughs> together. So all the gays at the the theatre company we worked at were put into Slytherin. Except for the boring ones. Except the boring ones. <laughs> Except the boring ones. God, yeah. that was fun. <laughs> that was fun, though. It did make you immediately snap back to sort of high school cliques for a day. It was interesting that such a large company insisted on us all being sorted into different... And not just like food and beverage, like like the, the venue presentation department. Yep. Uh-huh. Ushers, Ushers. Food and beverage. Mm-hmm. Security. Like everyone was, was sorted into a house. Yeah. To what purpose? <laughs> At the end of the day, I'm not really sure. And I always think more labels, the better. I mean, we policy. were given a house tie. We were. To wear. Um, I was going to say, I wouldn't mind being a Hufflepuff. No? No, Hufflepuffs, I mean... Their dormitories right next to the kitchen. Uh-huh. I learned that from this show. There you go. They're just getting stoned all the time. Is that true too? Huff, puff. Uh, are they next to the kitchen? Are they named after being into marijuana? No, but that's what the sort of the the general consensus is that stoners are all in Hufflepuff. Oh, not that I'm a stoner. No, no, you've never met a drug. What is that? Um, Indeed. <laughs> but I, I think I would like to be in Hufflepuff because also stakes are low. You're not fighting any snakes in Gryffindor. You're not. You're not being the smartest bitch in school <laughs> in Ravenclaw. You're not being evil in Slytherin. You're just being filler. Okay, filler. I, I'd be happy with that. What about you? Would you like to be in Hufflepuff? Um, oh, well, no, well, going into the show, I was like, gross. Hufflepuffs, yuck. <laughs> and again, I do not care A about... classic Slytherin attitude. Thank you. Yes, no, I do not care about the wizarding world, but if I were thrust into it and a hat told me that I was a Hufflepuff, I'd be pretty... Miffed about yep. it. We said miffed twice and discussed my family hockey in this episode. Miffy, you're here in spirit. We're keeping track of myths yes. and puffs. <laughs> Miff puff. <laughs> you like? I don't know what that was going to be. I no. thought it was be something. I, but um, yeah, no. Well, that leads pretty directly into like one of the things that I was interested in talking about Go was the on. idea of like you calling them like filler. You saying that they're not really in sh- like they're not really responsible for like doing anything in terms of protecting this inexplicably still open school that keeps seeing children murdered in it. It is. It is a murdering machine. Yes. Yeah. They have this, and I don't. <laughs> And this feels like oh, like, like somewhat perilous ground to step upon. So tell me if I step on a landmine of problematic talk. Yep, but I'm it was ready. like, there was a moment that I had early on in the show um, when I was still working out where we were, what's going on, what is the vibe of this production, where it was like, um, so, so we sort of get to the Hufflepuff common room. Mm. There's all these Hufflepuffs in there. Mm. Um, and they're sorry, like... Sorry, puffs. Puffs, yes. Sorry, I will keep making that mistake. But but please understand me, sweet, sweet. This is not Harry Potter. Uh, No, that's (laughs) insane. That's ridiculous. I'm sorry, is that a book? (laughs) I don't know. It sounds racist. Um, But uh, but, yeah, I'll just say that largely we're following a character named Wayne who gets sent to, played by Lucas Petropolis, gets sent to this wizard school Mm -hmm. and they get sorted into Puffs, Uh which is one of the houses. Well done. Um, Yeah, and then we, as to sort of like getting to know him and the environment that he's now inside with all of his like puff pals perilous things start happening because the show itself takes place throughout the seven years that the, oh, the, the, the lightning bolt in... faced nerd mm. is there for so they were in U1 when lightning bolt was in U1 yes yep, yep, yes yep, yep, facial yep, yep, scar yep. is there for the exact same period as Wayne is. Great. Great. You know? Yep, okay. Do you so, follow me? So, so that's sort of on the periphery of all the, the events happening. Well, that's where they were, but Puffs drags them into the limelight, doesn't get out, it? Get out of town. I won't. I like this town. You get out of this town. Not big enough for two of us. You were never what? I was never going to... I don't know, Jake. I'm. I'm my, mel- my brain is melting from a cold. So... <laughs> Carry on! Oh! Yeah, no. So they're in their common room. When, like... Remember when, like... <laughs> 
Turban Man runs into the cafeteria and he's Quirrell, like, you can just call him Quirrell. Can I? Legally? Yeah. I'm yes. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. be careful. I think Turban Man feels worse. <laughs> What's wrong with turbans? Nothing's wrong with turbans. Well, Sam. Just when you say Turban Man. A man wearing a turban. He's more than a man wearing a turban. Aren't we all? Evil Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Not yet revealed to be evil, but. Sorry for spoilers. That's. <laughs> Professor Quirrell. <laughs> <laughs> so you've decided it's better? Let's oh. call him. Q. <laughs> Mr. Squirrel. Mr. Squirrel. Mr. Squirrel yes. runs into the cafetorium where the yep. little witches and wizards are chomping upon Troll! The... Yes. Troll in the dungeon. There's a troll in the dungeon. That's what you want to know. And yes, and he falls down. And then Draco Malfoy screams memorably with Who? turkey in his mouth. Dranky Malfi. <laughs> Thank you. James. <laughs> Dragon Malfin. And then, of course, like, you know, facial scar, nerd girl, and redhead idiot. Oh, yes. they have to go and, like, stop the troll in the bathroom, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm I remember that. I remember this, that distinctly. This... That's right. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That well, no, a book. Um, nerd girl is already in the bathroom. Because she's crying because she got bullied. Yes, yeah, so they're like, we need to go and save our friend Herb. Yes. Moan. Because they were mean to her about her mispronouncing, like, gay Latin words, right? Uh, I think she was teased by someone else. Uh, oh no, they said something and she... You know what? This is unimportant. Doesn't matter. Story. But yeah, no, so that's all happening in the background. What? Like, meanwhile... And so this is the first time we get, like, a glimpse of what was going on in the minds of the puffs during this on. disaster. We're all asking. And so they, they all get frightened. They gang up, sort of, they stand in sort of, like, a triangle formation. And, <laughs> and they sort of, like, point, point their wands out and kind of, like, march on the spot. <laughs> and they're going, like, please be our friend. We are not a threat. <laughs> That's really funny. It was that's super, really cute. Super duper funny, but this is but this is still around the same time where I was like because we'd sort of like just met. Like it's a surprise. <laughs> it's really funny. And so yeah, but this was around the time that we were still sort of getting to know this like gang of Puffingtons, you know? Okay. So we've sort of like just learned all their names. And then the troll attacks and then they have their fun little chant. And I was at this point and it was really, really funny. But I was also having to wrestle with this weird sensation that I was trying to sort of like intellectually grasp, and I was like there, there were parts early on in this text, in this production, where I was like, are we just laughing at people that kind of are coded to be a little bit intellectually disabled? <laughs> no. 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 And no. as the play was surely not. No. No. But that well, was like, I mean, J.K. Rowling. I'm just bringing it up because that was a concern that I had that I thought was like an interesting thing to like register. And then, of course, as it went on, it was not that. Yeah, no. I think the, pup, the Hufflepuffs are more just... Dopey stoners Absolutely. is the vibe. Sure, sure. And that's the thing. It gained more complexity as it went on. But right. I just I just wanted to bring that up because I thought that was just an interesting thing. To <laughs> sort of intellectually tangle with for a second. So, yeah, it was interesting to tangle with. And then, of course, it did not end up feeling like that beyond that scene. But yeah. early on, I was like, why does this feel a bit off? Like, all of oh, these, like, doofy wow. idiots. And they're, like, all cordoned off together in one, like, little house together. Stop it. It's like, <laughs> it feels a little bit rude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in terms of a concept in a school, I suppose. But sure. I, so I think, I, I just want to put that out there as someone, if you're writing a play where there is like, even one character who we're laughing at constantly for being stupid, make sure that you haven't accidentally, accidentally <laughs> written something that's a little bit yeah. ableist. Yes. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. Mm. I think the, the, de- the defining feature of Hufflepuff is that they're pure of heart. Right. It's, that it's certainly just, comes it's across. Like you've got Slytherin's cunning, Gryffindor's brave. Ravenclaw's intelligent. Yeah. And then Hufflepuff is like pure of heart. So I think they're like the most caring and like all like the nursing staff would be in Hufflepuff. Like all the, all the doctors and stuff are like all 
Hufflepuffy adjacent. Okay, well, that thing comes back around, so we'll talk great, about that great, in great, a great. second. Um, yeah, I just want to like start with like my praise for this. This cast is so wonderful. James. Oh, lovely! Just like this, like sea of like young, talented people. It was just like they're also like versatile and impressive, and like so many of them had to play so many characters. Oh, great! It was really great. And just like the first one that I want to highlight is Alana Summers, who plays the narrator. It's just this like lovely woman that walks us through this story of like these seven years that we spend at this stupid magic school. <laughs> And she's great, as, and as the show goes on as well, like, it, it was like, watch, somehow it seemed like she really, like, came into her own, especially as the show progressed, because, mm. like, early on, it's like, is this just going to be, like, some narrator that is there so that they can change the set in the background while she speaks? Yeah. How much is she going to matter? She ends up mattering a whole bunch, Ooh. and even just, like, the tone that she has throughout the entire thing, like, she has some of, like, the funniest lines in the whole goddamn show. Oh, great. I, a number of times since seeing it, I've thought of this moment where it's, like, Sirius Black is on the loose, and she, like, pops out of a door, and she's like, murderer on the loose? <laughs> Rot <Ruh-roh. laughs> <laughs> Magnificent. Such a Magnificent. That's it. And it was just like, one of the things that like Johnny and I were talking about after we watched it was like, it's incredible that they found so many people with such incredible comic timing to be in this show. Oh, that sounds great. Like these young people are just like, so many of them were so like, odd and sweet and really, really funny. When you say young people, was it a school production or was it a... Well, no, it was community. And that's what makes it amazing as well. It's a community production in Morris, So oh. it's like, one would assume that it's just kind of like people from the nearby neighborhood that mm. they've cobbled together. Oh, that's so nice. So a sweet, sweet miracle. It's just that's like... so it's, good. What are the odds? Like the cast is quite large and to have found this many people in which there was like no weak links and mm. so many like... For, the, for so for them to all have had such a conspicuous amount of talent mm. and unique wonderfulness within each of them, it was like, where did you find these people? Did you do a nationwide search to find the oddest, sweetest, most talented people that you could? It was I really lovely. I don't think they would have done that, Jay. You don't think that's what happened? I don't think so. No. <laughs> um, I, I will dwell on this for too long, so I want to hit it now so I can get past it. Right. <laughs> Harrison Hewitt Dart plays <laughs> played Cedric Diggory. I don't know what he's mm. legally allowed to be called. Dead? No. Dedrick Cigarette. De- de- Dedrick Cigarette. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> That's who we play. Deirdre Cigarette. And we meet him in the common room. Yep. Where we, like, in the, the first time we're there, we meet him. And he's like, he comes in, sunglasses on, super duper cool. Oh, sure. Yep. And Fair immediately, enough. I was having to wrestle with, and this was throughout his entire performance as this character, wrestle with the fact of, like, I will get obsessed with any man that, like, <laughs> leads with his groin and talks like this. <laughs> yeah, you are pretty simple in that I regard. Know. Yeah, it doesn't and take much. That, and that's all it was. He was like, again, so, so funny. Like, occupied the entire performance space with everything that he did. I was like, yes, let's go over here. Yeah. I'm going to bed. Like, <laughs> that's what he did. <laughs> Bedrick, Sigurd. Bed, yes. um, yeah, okay, great. And it was just so transfixing. And just like, immediately so into it. And it, it, to the point where I was like, afterwards, I really had to like, yeah, wrestle with like, what? what? do you think it is <laughs> about confident men that just make you go goo goo gaga? Well, I think it almost has to be like, like a comically confident man. Like it's not even just like, a, I, I think I'm intimidated by people that are like legitimately quite confident, I suppose. It's this level of like buffoonish hyperconfidence yeah. that I'm like, why is this so intriguing to me? And I think it's because I, I, Part of me, I think there's that weak-minded thing of, like, wanting to earn their approval. Because it's oh, like, yep. oh, if this person thinks I'm cool, then I must be. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I think, I think, and this is only because I've had time to now meditate on it. It's like, the idea that I could potentially be someone that brings them to grips with, like, what is actually important and helps them get into, like, helps them connect with the things that are actually really interesting about you're, them. You're essentially saying you could fix him. Not even fix, but even, like... 
with this with this style of like absolutely I'm beautiful that type of like the, like Prince Charming from Shrek mm. like that type of thing where it's like okay it's like let's strip it back like what's going on it's like I know that you think you're really great but it's like, have you noticed that you've got a real flair for like like scrapbooking Isn't you love a project you love a project if it's you the love right theater that's a project you love people at a project I suppose but I think I, I would like you know I yeah. I'd assume that at some point in like launching into the hot air balloon of their self-confidence, I feel like they've left a bunch of themselves back on the ground. And it's like, no, no. <laughs> what if that's just all they are? I don't think it can be. They're a person. Some people are that. They are just yeah. a big-headed, empty, hot idiot. Yeah. And they're just that. Oh. Some people, yeah. Are you hearing yourself? That's what <laughs> a lot of people are. <laughs> but even... St- Honestly, reflecting on the people that kind of fit that description in my mind, I am now realizing that with those people, I do have a desire to sit them down Mm. and be like, I think you're wonderful, but it's for reasons that I don't think you're even aware of. Yes. But then I'm very ready, as I've had the experience of that person then disappointing me in me being like, oh, I might have invented all the things I thought. I was just about to say, I think a lot of the hot, hot haired, big personalities you <laughs> fall for oh. are, no, I mean, are people who don't have there's not much more but you project a lot of maybe we're gonna cut all of this no that is one take that is one take because that's not about any one specific person no 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 that's that's what some would call the pattern <laughs> so puffs anyway <laughs> puffs yeah no and just like to round out my discussion of Harris and you at Dart so uh, spoiler alert question mark you know how Cedric dies you know, <gasps> oh, you know how Robert Pattinson dies at the end of the fourth movie yes yeah. such a good scene so the end of the fourth movie is the end of the first half of Puffs oh sure that makes sense for a for a show about Puffs right. yeah, yeah right yep. so that means Harris and you at Dart's performance as Cedric one of my favourite things about this show is over at the beginning of Interval Tragic. Devastating. Devastating. Yes. Yep. No. And so one of the discussions at Interval is like, what are they going to do? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to miss him too much. I'm going to go and take a while stab in the dark. Does he come on playing a different character? James, you shut your dumb face. Because literally... Oh, at- <laughs> no, because at, in that like like that sweet desperation, like, but that can't be all we get of him. <laughs> He's so good. And then I theorize, well, we haven't met that noseless hooded idiot yet. No. No. Really? And who's the smartest guy in the audience? It's all Jakey Pants. For once. For once. (laughs) Yeah, because he comes back as the almighty Holden Snort. (laughs) Golden Bort. Golden Bort. Oh my god, amazing. Yeah. Great. Um, Yeah, that's such a... What if, what if, sorry to no, no, shut, up, shut up. What a fun pair of characters to play as one performer. And that's he must have been absolutely stoked. And totally different characterization, a oh. whole different utilization of his skill set. This guy's really great. Good and on. I want to see him do more stuff. Great. Yeah. Um, but while we're talking about Interval, <laughs> I'm just going to keep you there for a moment in the way of like, so where it's like me and Johnny are sitting in the seating bank about to like, Intervals happening around us. Great. You know, okay. so most, people, most people have gone out into the Are foyer. some people still sitting down? A couple of them. Oh. So we're sitting there talking about what's happened. Talking about our fear that Harrison might not be coming back. Yep. Yep. <laughs> talking about that and other things, of course. Because, you know, we have lives outside of Puffs. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're talking about that. There's a woman sitting right in front of Johnny. And she hears us talking about stuff. And she turns around to chime in on one of the topics that we bring up. Um, and that's nice. She's lovely. Yep. Then her, like, partner comes back to sit next to her. And he's got these two glasses of wine with him. And so he comes and like, he's talking at her and he, and, she, and he starts telling her this story about what just happened at the bar and he's like so I went up to the bartender and I was like one gobletus of red wineus please oh. <laughs> I, 
I mean, I mean and then, what fun? And then, but then he says, like, and she was not interested. <laughs> and she was like, what do you want? Ah, I'm um, on her side. I'm sorry. Of course you are. Yeah. And then, yeah, no. So, but he says this to his partner who is still like sitting in front of us. And so, and then she hears this story. We all kind of giggle at how sweet it is that this bartender had no interest in his joke. But then she, the woman sitting in front of us goes, well, I'll have one of your red wineuses, pleasias. Oh, that's nice. <gasps> that's thought, nice. Isn't that so nice? That's really cute. That's a relationship. That's supporting. Oh, that's supporting. That's love. I mean, it's a stupid fucking thing to say, but that's really oh, cute. But they found each they other. They found each other and they're being stupid fucking people together. Yeah. Oh, I, I say that with love. Of course. How could you not? They're fantastic. That's so nice. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, you turned it around. <laughs> um, I enjoyed Josh Pratt's utilization of a New Zealand accent to a comic effect. What's that accent? It's this. I, I, whenever I do it, I end up going British, then South African, and then I get back to a very confusing New Zealand accent. Oh, New Zealand accent. What did I, I think say? said like a New Zealander or something. I didn't know what you. Oh, you thought I invented a nationality? I did, yes. yes. So, it, the, 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 it's on Jesus, accent. South African straight It's away. an accent that sort of sounds like this. Oh, oh, um, what's you've, his name? You've spoken to a New Zealand person before. Yeah, but you have And I sounded just like this. No, the, the guy from Our Flag Means Death, Reese Darby. That's Reese Darby. Reese Darby, does he talk? But see, that's, I can't, that's something else. I can't do it, no. Oh, well, he sort of talks like this, doesn't he? Sort of goes a little bit up to the end of his words, like this. This is a great Reese Darby impression. I'm pretty certain that that is like a comic version of New Zealand. That's how a, he actually talks. Um, every day of his life? As far as I'm aware, I've never met him. Okay. <laughs> More funny bits, please. <laughs> um, yeah, that was something. And then, I, I, you know how it seems like we're, we're sort of like collecting all of these different impressions that it seems like are just inbuilt into yes. some people? Yes, like the slutty sort of chorus of women. Yes, yep. yep. Sort, of like, sort of like Dracula's like... Vampiric girlfriends yes. <laughs> seems to be something that people are ready to just do. Yep. Um, bar wenchy people, yes. there seems to be that energy. Yep. It seems like there might be this contemporary version where everyone's able to just do a moaning Myrtle impression. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> like that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you like that? That was mine. That was um, really good. Did someone do a moaning Myrtle this time? Uh, yeah. They actually were they called moaning Myrtle or were they like weeping Wendy? <laughs> Um, no, it was Kiana Bartolo. Who was, was it droning Debbie? D- no, no, that's a really hot notion. Thanks. No. And I'll just say, while dwelling on Kiana, so, so great and played Harry. You know, you know <laughs> four eyes, disfigured face, yeah. protagonist Henry. energy. What? You gotta eat Harry. Henry Pooter. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so right. fantastically, in the way of like, she was like swing by as Harry. Um, just like being very self-important on his like stupid little mission that is like so great to see backgrounded with mm. the with the Puffingtons put at the foreground. Yeah, interesting. It was really funny and like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's just again such tremendous comic sensibilities. Like it was so much fun watching everyone that was in this show. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, they highlighted how odd it was. About, you know, in, like, the fourth movie, <laughs> when they're, like, doing that, like, underwater... Do you mean the fourth book? I don't. Actually, no, I don't either. Uh, for, <laughs> the yep, the underwater you know, bit, yes. You know when they're doing, like, the yes, death... Yes, I do. Yeah, the Children Death Olympics. Yes. And there's that one where they have to go under the water and do all the nonsense. Yes, and there's the mer people. The, yes, the mer people. And there's, like, all the kids are above the water cheering... But it's like everything's happening under what, the water. What can they see? Yeah. So oh my the, god, yes. So there's a whole sequence where it's like the kids sitting at the top of the lake being like, well, I bet stuff's happening down there. That's really funny. <laughs> That's really good. That's really funny. Yeah. Because, yeah, what are they looking at? I don't know. And how long do they cheer for? Like, at what point are they like, okay, I guess we can probably just shut up Woo! now. Because they're under water. Under the water. Under the water. <laughs> um, not, to break, not to bring Harry Potter to Star Wars. 
Um, Ew, what? <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, the story of Puffs reminds me, there's a really good um, comic book. <laughs> yeah. Tag and Bink, I think it's called. Okay. And it's like these two characters throughout the series of all the Star Wars movies that are just on the periphery and just happen to be embroiled in all these stories, but we never see them. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of like their silly hijinks around all these main characters. And it feels like a very similar vibe to Puffs. Is that similar to what like the Lion King one and a half was? Oh, I the, forgot about the Lion King one. I think it is. Yeah, I think that's what like Timon and Pumbaa are just sort of being around. Yeah, just dicking around, being like, I wonder what's happening on Pride Rock. Anyway. I guess I guess so. But in that one, Timon and Pumbaa are main characters. So Tag and Bink and Puffs are all about like people that that just are not main characters at all. Oh, sure. Because I guess in apart from uh, Edward Cullen, <laughs> yes, in the films, mm. very few Hufflepuffs get to do anything, do they? Yeah, there's that one. Lavender Brown, I think, is one. Who they also whitewashed later in the movies. Oh, no. Um, and Susie Bones, who I thought I'd... Like, <laughs> <laughs> is that what her name is? Yeah, because, you know, in like... I, I feel like if you were the right age, that first Harry Potter movie really got like... Tattooed to some part of our, some part of our noggin, and often skin. Yeah. Y- yes. Yes. Oh my god. We can't get back into our Deathly Hallows. De- my ex-boyfriend has an tattoos. entire sleeve of Harry Potter tattoos. Hogwarts Castle, <laughs> De- the Time Turner, the Snitch, Deathly Hallows, all of it. God. Okay. That's, yeah. That's not a red flag. It's an attractive quality. <laughs> I, <laughs> um. Yeah. No. Because she's the one that like gets pulled up the first time that we in the movies again. Uh. uh go. They, they go to get the the hat put on their heads. Yes. And then the hat's grumpily like you suck. Yeah, and then the and then the hat in in cursed child is. <laughs> Their whole budget went into like making like a like a shiny deer happen and like. They oh yeah, like, the shiny deer. The amount of money that like cursed child put into like different effects, but then when it came to making the hat be a hat, they were like, let's just get a guy to do it. And just <laughs> we can act possessed, I guess. Um, <laughs> but we're not going to talk about cursed child. We got a whole episode about cursed child. Go back and listen to it, guys. <laughs> But yeah, no, Susie Burns, someone that, for some reason, also my sisters were super into in terms of like it being a comic character, who does nothing but get called up first to get sorted by the hat into her house. She waddles up, gets sorted into Hufflepuff, and everybody cheers. It's like, who's that? I don't know who Susie Burns is. Is that a real character in the... She's like the first one that comes oh, up. Oh, sure, okay. Yeah, there you no, go. Like Maggie Smith is like, Susie? And then this girl that has, has no lines and just nervously gets like plonked into the puffs. Tell me she has lines in this. She does. Good on her. Good on you, Susie. She did it. She made it. I just want to point out as well, Natasha Rayner is just like one of an, another tremendous example of someone that was capable of playing like so many characters, some of whom were in the same scene as each other. Oh, terrific. Just like, my goodness. And yeah, played this very wholesome version of Helga Hufflepuff. Like it's all... Oh. There was so much fucking stuff happening. Okay, it was really mind-blowing the things that they managed to accomplish in this piece. God, that sounds amazing. It was a really cool time. And I just want to, just like, to to loop around to what we were talking about sort of like at the beginning, almost orchestratedly, about the idea of like the stigma of being put into like the puffs in terms of a house. Yes, okay, yes. The, um, the stigma of being sorted into the house of puff. Me certainly being someone that went into this thing being like, what an offence, like even me existing outside of caring about Harry Potter at all. For someone to look at you and assume that you were meant to be in like puffs... Into, like, instead of the other three houses. Mm. They managed, by the end of this show, to make it seem like the most beautiful thing that could ever happen to you. Aww. In the way that it was like a celebration of, like, as you were kind of saying, like the thing of, this, you can be brave, you can be like evil and blonde, you can be a nerd, or you can be like everyone else who is like full of like rich complexity, uncertainty, the, the, the people that like make up the rest of like the humanness. Oh, you know? that's so nice. The, the, the people that are like scooped together because they don't fit into all the conventional archetypes and they're just kind of like people that have to and 
you know, have to learn how to celebrate the things that make them odd and stick out. It was truly like I was on the brink of tears in the final moments of this show where it was just like, that's so beautiful. And how did this show manage to bring me around to being open to the idea of being put in the house that no one cares about? That's so nice, Jay. It was really, really good. I can't (laughs) believe you've really loved two out of the three Harry Potter related shows you've seen. It's insane to hate Harry Potter this much, but to love so much of its parody content. This is the part (laughs) where we say, obviously, we don't like J.K. Rowling. Oh, sure. You gotta put it out there. Assume yeah, no, 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 but um, yeah, no, it was like a big enough deal, and this will only mean anything to a couple of people. But we came out of it, and it was like Johnny said that he loved it as much as he loved Oracle. He loved Oracle. He loved that gay horror He loved that, didn't he? He loved it. I loved it. Yay! <laughs> just feel like I like when in you the do room. Johnny, you go dead in the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> He's a beautiful dead-eyed man yes. from England. <laughs> Puffs. Um, yeah, no. So I guess I just have like one last thing to ask you about like even just like the world of like parody Harry Potter, mm. real Harry Potter. Mm. Is there anything that you've like learned from Harry Potter? Because of course it's a children's book. It is. And it's so much of like, I've only experienced the movies and the first third of the first book mm-hmm. when I was a child and read it and thought, this is too childish for me. <laughs> okay. Um, Mega mind over here. <laughs> Thank you. I moved on to Faust. <laughs> um, but, and sort of like throughout, it sort of purports to be teaching you through its like tone no, it and is not, content. It is You've not, never, nothing, no, it's, nothing. It's changed your mind about nothing. It's changed taught my mind you nothing. About nothing. I would, if I think about it, I think it's maybe sort of. No, I like the video games. Okay. Some of them. Chamber of Secrets was great. Mm. Um, no, it is. I would not say it has imparted any wisdom onto me or any, any knowledge or lesson. Not that I actively think about. That I can... That, right. That, something that I can recall. Mm. Maybe it has taught me things like... like no. It, no, right. Because it has so. values. But I feel like I would have learned none of them from it. Even if I were the right age to be learning these what things. What are the values? Well, I'd say basic garbage. Like, isn't yeah. there so much in it about, like, love is the one thing... Like, it's all the most banal <laughs> shit in the world. It's the most, like, yeah. And, like, genocide is bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so, like, don't be mean to people. <laughs> I guess it does have that sort of lilt of, like, the rise of the right wing in, like, the government. Sort of, like, the government doesn't believe it's happening, so they don't do anything about it. I think that's probably the one lesson... In the books that I think are quite is quite worthwhile, like don't trust your government necessarily. Is that a real like a that is why you yeah, like Cornelius Fudge, the Minister for Magic, is like is Mister Fudge like a bad guy? He's not bad. Well, I guess he does it. He's not really an evil character. He's just a character that's like so like no Voldemort can't be back. He can't be back. It's not going to happen. Like no no no, it's too late. Okay, and then things go wrong. So I think like the message behind that of like your elected officials are never going to be 100% right and you should always question them hmm. is something that is worthwhile. But it's not something I learned from this book. Okay. But um, someone could learn that from this book? I think so. I think, like, mm. uh, I, I read the books later in my life. Yeah. Um, so I think younger people reading it should, could potentially learn to doubt your government. I think that's always a good lesson. Yeah, that is good. Yeah. I guess maybe there's something, too, in, like, not taking people at face value. Like, Snape ended up being, like, a nice man, even though he had a scary, deep voice and black hair. Yeah, but also, didn't he do something really fucked up? Didn't he kill the old man? He did, but that was planned. Oh, yes. The old man was like, kill me. And Snape was like, oh, all right. And then he did it. Spoilers, mm. by the way. Dumbledore dies. And then he um, cheated on Emma Thompson. That was love, actually. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What's that song? Johnny Mitchell? Which song? The song? The which song? Which song? The song that plays when Johnny Mitchell... Is it Johnny Mitchell? 
Oh, yeah, the Joni Mitchell song. No, I don't know. I've only seen Parts of Love, actually. God, that's a good scene, though. Yeah? Mm. The part where she realises that he's cheating on her. And then she has to do the mother thing of, like, <sighs> and brushing away her tears and then going right back out and being like, all right, let's go to Christmas. Jezebel did this analysis of Love Actually, and it was a bit too heavy-handed and a bit too simplistic, but they talked about how... <laughs> okay. <laughs> how Love Actually, in, in, in the way that it functions, women get punished the more they speak. Emma Thompson Whoa. has the most lines of all the women in the show, in the movie, and ends up the saddest. Yep. And it's the fewer lines a woman has in love, actually, the happier they end up being. I mean, one of them can't even speak English, so doesn't really speak much at all. Mm. She ends up quite happy. Mm. It's interesting, huh. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's actually just love, actually. And Kira Knightley was almost the same age as like the little boy in that movie. I always forget that Kira Knightley is one of those people that just, like, in her early days... Looks mature, but he's so young in all the movies. Like, Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean. So young. It's just her, like, protruding jawbone. And I'm her, like, Ke- fancy accent. Kira Knightley. Yeah. Oh. oh, what a woman. What a woman. I'm so glad that she just decided to only make sort of the, the same themed movies forever. And it's what she's good at. I mean, that movie is got a, it's got a stellar cast. Love Which Actually. One? Love Actually. It's sure. got an incredible cast. Sure. I mean, Bill Nye. I love that man. Sure. I love, um, love, love It's love, no love. Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice. Still haven't seen it. Um, I just want to also say, like, the final battle, like, you know, like, the final battle, again, only, like, in the yep. movies, where, where Smoldle Smort comes back. I just figured like, out, it's actually Mr. Valdi in this production. In this, in, in Puffs, he's called Mr. Valdi. Mr. Valdi comes to, like, you know, like, blow up the school, whatever his mission is, and then, but in this production, they somehow managed to do a very, like, a really effective depiction of that battle oh on this community theatre stage to the point where it was like full of shocks and surprises. Oh. And like, I was truly upset by things. Unexpected characters were dying in front of me. Oh. It was re- it was like sad. It was, it was legitimately sad and legitimately shocking. Wow, that sounds affecting. Yeah. Mm. And they were using like, Magic, James. <laughs> and Jake hates magic. No, they were, in the way that, like, they managed to accomplish the use of magic to commit murder, and it was upsetting. I was in Bo Morris when this happened, James. <laughs> it was really effective theatre. And dare I say that's the magic of theatre. You can you can dare to say that. I'll respect you less. Um, I just want to read some of the funny names of the characters in Go this ahead. show. So these are the characters from Puffs. Yes, okay. that are legally not from Harry Potter. You've got a certain potions teacher... Professor Turban. So I guess you could have, you could have said Mr. Turban. Um, ghost history teacher. Um, what else have we got? The second headmaster. There's first headmaster. Oh, one of the biggest laughs in the show <laughs> was when when Dumbledore comes back for like year three, and he distinctly says in like his opening speech, "And I'm the same person." <laughs> after that old man died. That's funny. That's <laughs> funny. Um, Mr. Bagman, that's funny. Um, Frenchie, what else have we got here? I'm now just reading things out. Yeah, this is just James reading. Hermione, Blondo Malfoy, Rita Scooter, that's pretty good. James, we have to stop this. We can't just yeah, let this turn into yeah, an audio book yeah. of oh, you reading Susie the program Bones. of Puffs. Yeah, all right. Uh, stage manager, that's a funny character name, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, oh, James, okay. <laughs> anyway, are you, do you want to wrap this baby up? Let's do it. Yes, and then put it wrap in the Wrap it in a parcel. Wrap it in a parcel. Wrap it in a parcel and send it, it in the off. mail. Oh, yeah. I'll put it in a box and mail it to myself and then I'll get a hammer and I'll smash the box. Oh, Empress New Groove. It's a very good, very good character. Oh, Eartha Kitt. Eartha Kitt, I'm a pussycat, meow, meow. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Well Great. done, us. Yeah, yeah, look at us go. Yeah, yeah. did it. Um, 
So I guess, yeah, so that's... So what's about... Let's just say now, what's about to happen is the comedy festival. Comedy festival! The it's comedy festival. fest time. The comedy festival, it's, it's like we're in the grips of the very beginning of it. Like, it's happening right now. Like yeah, and we're seeing shows. We're, we're seeing things. seeing so many shows. Mm. Um, and so, so the next episode you hear that it'll be coming out real soon... Um, depending on where in your timeline, our timeline intersects. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's how people talk. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we're, so... We're going to be doing our own um, comedy festival uh, show. Yeah. What you, well, no, no, we're, we're not. not. <laughs> I, I guess this is it. Um, but yeah, no, so we're going to be like diving into like seeing like a bunch of comedy festival shows mm-hmm. and then talking about a bunch of them. It's going to be similar to Fringe, similar to Midsummer. Yeah. We're going to be seeing so many things and talking about them here. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's called Jake and Jamesy's Chuckle Fest. Jake and Jamesy's <laughs> Chuckle Fest. We are so proud of the title. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the next episode will be the first episode of Jake and James's <laughs> Jake, Jake and James's, James's Chuckle Fest. Fest. Uh, we can't wait to have you there. We can't, can't wait, wait to chuckle. See, can't wait to chuckle. Mm. Hopefully you do as well. Um, can't wait to. Hopefully, if you're in Melbourne, see you at a few comedy festival shows. Yeah, and again, let us know if you're doing stuff. Yeah, it's a long festival, so if you're doing anything, please invite us to it, and we'd love to come and see it. Um, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, thanks for being here for this episode. Yeah, um, we may already disagree with things that we've said on this podcast because mm-hmm. opinions change. Yes, absolutely. Um, and friends, I, could, I, I stumbled on saying the word opinions. Opinions, because you have so, so few of them. Oh, and you stumbled on that. <laughs> I think maybe I'm nervous. Um, I'm and nervous. friends, don't let friends become. <laughs> shut up! Shut up! Shut let up, me talk. Fuck. Let me talk. Go ahead. Uh, friends, don't let friends become theatre critics. That's true. I've yeah. heard that. I've heard that said. Yeah. Okay. Great. Okay. We'll see you at the Chuckle Fest. Oh my God! I'm looking forward to the Chuckle. Good.